The following interview took place on Thursday, June 30, 2022 in the web radio app at the International French School Singapore. special guest today. I'm going to let her introduce herself, starting with her name, so we can know how to pronounce it and its origins. Hello, my name is Soraya Hassein. Nice to see you, Soraya, and thank you for agreeing to come in and having a conversation. Parkour Ed is a podcast in English with members of the IFS community who sit down with me and just tell me how they got here. We like to start really early, like at birth. We like to see what led to all of the choices that eventually ended up with you and I being colleagues. Okay, so thank you, Colleen, for having me here. I was born in the north of France, in this area called Hauts-de-France, just like Monsieur Binon. That's right. Because I listened to his podcast, and he said that he was from Hauts-de-France. So that was funny, because I'm also from Picardy, from a small town called Beauvais, which is very famous because there is an airport in Beauvais with connection all over Europe. I can't resist making a connection with Beauvais as well because there is a very famous musician in Singapore from Beauvais. Oh, really? Vincent Catagne. Look him up. He does some amazing things. I'll share a link. Okay, because I don't know him. He's from Beauvais and he's good friends with another famous musician and slam poetry artist Lavoie Basse. Okay. Maybe you've heard of or not. But anyway, that's my connection to Beauvais. I've never been there, but now I even have more of a desire to go. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. You should go. It. Okay, <laughs> I will. So you were born in Beauvais. About what year? Actually, 83. You look younger than 83. No, you don't look a day over 85. No. <laughs> <laughs> So you grew up in Beauvais? You were born in Beauvais? Yeah, I grew up in Beauvais. My story is that my grandfather came to France and he is from Algeria. There is a historic connection between Algeria and France because Algeria was a French colony. So he came to France to find a job. So I grew up in a bilingual family speaking Arabic and French. So right from birth, you were in a bilingual environment. Yeah, because my grandparents, most of the time, they spoke in Arabic and my parents both, you know. The thing is that usually they spoke to me in Arabic and I was answering in French. That's quite common, I understand. From a young age, you're speaking Arabic or listening to Arabic, understanding in that type of environment, but then responding in French. Did you go to school in Beauvais? Yes, I went to school in Beauvais until high school. And then I did Hippocane-Cagne. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) This is a very famous place at our school, isn't it? You're the third person I've talked to. Yeah, I did Hippocane-Cagne. And my specialty was Spanish, you know, like my main subject. I was supposed to do English because it was my... LVR, like yeah. my first language. And I remember it was one or two days after I was back to school and the Spanish teacher came to class because it's a time when all the teachers visit and they talk about the class, the curriculum. 
And he said that there were not a lot of students in the Spanish group. So if some people wanted to switch languages, they could do it. And he said if you got a good grade at your back in Spanish, you might consider switching. And, you know, I've been thinking, I said, well, I will still study English anyway. So I should switch. And I switched. And the switch was easy enough to do from English to Spanish. You already had that flexibility with language being minimal multilingual family? Yeah, I think my brain was kind of trained of that, you know. I've never had a lot of difficulties to understand languages because this is how I grew up, listening to different languages, trying to adapt myself. I remember as a young kid when it dawned on me that there were people who spoke languages that I couldn't understand and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And it was rather late. And I was fascinated by it. So then fast forward to my own family. My children grew up in a Franco-American household living in mm -hmm. Singapore and multilingualism was just normal for them and it was hard for them to imagine the opposite. I assume it's like that for you too. Yes, yes, yes. How about with your parents? They spoke French in the community. Did mm. you ever have to take on the role of interpreter? Or? No, my mom was born in French. So she had this role for her parents. I, I didn't have to do it with them because she speaks French perfectly. Yeah, it's one French. of her first language. But it was interesting because I had this Algerian tradition at home They somehow kept the tradition for Algeria, like the food, some of the festivities, and I was in France at the same time. So I have like this double identity, you know. That's right. I love that. And also, Algeria was part of France and mm -hmm. so people in Algeria spoke French as well yeah, yeah. it's one part. of the first language of right. the country I would love to visit I've never gotten a chance to go yet, you should hopefully it's someday it's beautiful <laughs> <laughs> do you get back very often or have you been back recently not really we used to go sometimes just to visit my dad's family but we didn't go that often you know I haven't been in a very long time now yeah. do you have brothers and sisters yes I'm the oldest one Um, I have one sister uh -huh. and one brother. For traveling long distance too, with a larger family, is always more challenging because of the cost of travel. And so, let me understand this. I've been hearing a lot about Ipokan Kan. Yeah. And I'm starting to understand that it's not just Ipokan, it's Kan Kan. Yeah. And I'm thinking of Singapore, Ken Ken. <laughs> is <laughs> so, it the same spelling? Is it Ipokan? And Which then Kan, because Ipokan is the first year, okay. and Kan is the second year. It's a lycée. Or is it an after lycée? It's a prépa. So it's yeah. like a literary prépa? Exactly. In the literary side, not the scientific side. I see the literary side. It's embarrassing because I've been learning about this and talking to people about this, and I finally now just understood that it was a prépa. I, mm -hmm. I actually thought it was like a high school Like uh, because school. most of the time the prepa are in a high school oh, okay. but it's not part of the high school curriculum I because you baccalaureate you have it so it's like the first two years of the post baccalaureate education you know. I see and the famous one is like Louis Le Grand in yeah, Paris yeah you have Louis Le Grand and that's in you, high you have Henri IV Henri IV so this is something that I don't really think exists in the United States no it doesn't and so we finish our high school diploma and then we go on to a university degree, but our university 
generally for a bachelor's mm. degree is four years, whereas it's three years for a licence, which is the equivalent. Yeah, it's kind of the equivalent. I think the prépa, mm-hmm. it, it's something typically French. That's why sometimes it's harder for people from other countries to understand what is it. We don't have that. That no. is really interesting to me too. But when you go to Ipocagne, mm-hmm. it's two years, you finish, but do they give you a diploma? Do they give you a certification, accreditation? Is it like a half a licence? Is it just their reputation then? It's good for the reputation, totally, but they give you an equivalence and then you can go to university. So you keep going for your college education. So when you go to university, do you still have three years to do a licence? No, Master? that's why you have the so equivalence. Ah, yeah, yeah. So would it be the equivalent of two years? Yeah, exactly. And then you'd only have one more year left to do. Exactly. Well, to to do sense. the licence and then you keep going. Again. So I, I guess an equivalent in the United States may be a junior college, but they're not usually considered, okay. you know, a junior college is normally for people who, for financial reasons, mm-hmm. or maybe they didn't mature enough in high school to really learn how to do their best work. And so then they go to junior college before they go to a regular college to get mm-hmm. back up to speed. Not always, though. Sometimes it's just a choice for personal reasons. Thank you for explaining that to me. And that's another reason why I like to do this podcast. I can always sit down and have a cup of coffee and talk to (laughs) colleagues and get to know them. But Mm -hmm. it's also very important to me to be able to ask these kind of questions and get these answers. Quite frankly, sometimes it's embarrassing to ask after working here in this building for 16 years, being married to a French person and having my first job in a French school in Taiwan back in the early 90s. Sometimes I feel like I'm supposed to know all of this stuff but if i don't know it imagine what my anglophone colleagues who started here last year or the year before imagine what they don't know one of the reasons i wanted to do this format thank you for helping us you are really super <laughs> helping us and thank you and how long have you been at the school just four years so you've been here four years and this is the longest conversation we've ever had albeit there's been covid Exactly. But it's hard to really take the time, stay focused. I mean, and I know. Sit down I, and talk to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm the worst. My attention span is very short and I'm <laughs> off doing something else. So, anyway, back on track. So, the subject here, though, is you. So, after Ipokan by the way, where is that? What town is that in? Oh, you have Ipokan everywhere, like Prepa. You, you just apply oh. to different also, it's schools. Not, and it's not one place. See, here I, I go know. again. I thought it was one place. No, no, no. Okay, so there's several. What town were you in? Was it in Beauvais? Uh, Amiens. And then I went to Lille for university. And after I had my CAPES. And after my CAPES, I started teaching in France. I studied in l'Académie de Orléans Tours, so you know, the middle of yes, France. The cradle of the French language. Exactly. And then when you are a young teacher in secondary, you don't have a lot of points because we need points to move. That's right. Aurora Benitez Perez explained this to us last time she was on it. So I couldn't stay in Orléans, so they sent me to the suburbs of Paris. Académie de Versailles. After that, I tried to go back to the north of France because you don't need a lot of points to go to the north of France because it is not a very attractive part of the country, I guess. I was near Maubeuge because Picardy is not the north-north, you know, so I didn't really know this part of France. And I was in a very small town called Aumont. After that, I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to start to, I don't know, apply for schools 
abroad because you know I've done my time, I have enough years and etc. So I apply for different schools in the US. I got an interview in Paris with a school in LA. So I went to Paris, I had the interview. It was very impressive because the people from the schools they came from the US and they were showing us, you know, some videos of LA, Hollywood and everything. And I was thinking, oh, I really want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> so I did the interview. They said that after maybe two weeks, they will get back to people to tell them if they had the job or not. And I do remember because at that time I was living in Valenciennes, you know, because it was not far from Aumont. And I went to a concert in Brussels, Belgium, with one of my friends. She's an English teacher, actually. And we went to see an indie American band in a small concert place, you know. And it was like the break between concerts, you know, like the entractor. And I took my phone and I saw that I had a very very long phone number on my phone and I told her I think someone from the US is trying to call me but I'm not sure of this plus one <laughs> I told her I think I have a voicemail and she said okay listen to it and then it was the head of school in LA she said okay so you got the job if you want to come just call us back and we'll talk about the contract and the conditions and everything and I remember I was shocked I looked at my friend and I told her I think I'm moving to California. <laughs> wow, what a great story. And now, so was it to teach Spanish in a French school? Exactly. That's it, impressive. It, it was a French-American high school, from primary school to high school. I find that very impressive because mm. California is a bilingual state, exactly. Spanish, English. And to get a job as a Spanish teacher mm. in California would be like me getting a job as a French teacher in Quebec. Uh, almost. <laughs> a bit of a stretch. So you must have really impressed them with your interview and your... I Your don't credentials. Know. How long were you in L.A.? You moved to L.A. What so, was it like? It's yeah, a, such a different world. Uh, I moved to L.A. At the beginning, I remember everything was so big, you know. What year was that? 2010. 2010, you were in L.A. Yeah, okay. yeah. It was the Obama years, so it was a good time to move to the States, I think. And I was impressed by everything, you know. Everything was bigger. The roads were bigger. The cars, the driving was different. <laughs> the people were all super friendly all the time, super enthusiastic. <laughs> and, you know, like the French, they complain all the time. So the, <laughs> the cultural shock was a little bit, you know. And the school was different, you know, the education education system was different because um, the students had a lot of extra activities, a lot of clubs and yeah, no, it was a very good experience for me. How long were you there? Eight years. Eight years? Yeah. You're Californian now, you're naturalized. <laughs> I want to go back to what you just said about how the education system is very different and I think we all agree about that but it's really hard to pinpoint what the difference is and I, quite honestly I think French people are better at pinpointing what the major differences mm -hmm. are. The activities is one thing. As a parent of children who went through the uh, IFS, I found that their activities were limited by the amount of classwork and studying uh -huh. they had. They couldn't do as many activities as I would have liked them to do because that's what I lived through when I was mm -hmm. a kid. My activities were very plentiful compared to here. So the school was French and American at the same time, you know. Sometimes you felt you were really in the U. 
U.S., you know, more than France, maybe. And sometimes you are in France. What gave you the feeling that it was the U.S.? I'm guessing you're going to say lockers, for one thing. Lockers. Lockers are like, it's uh, like such an American sports thing. Sports team. Cheerleaders. Football, that kind uh, of thing. Yeah. Uh, fundraising. Fundraising, yeah. yeah. Exactly, yeah. It's uh, like community. Community feeling was really strong, you know. Like the school gave, I don't know, maybe an identity to the students. You know, we had assemblies and... Yeah, it was different. It's a French curriculum or it's a split mm-hmm. curriculum. Yeah, it was a French curriculum. But the students, they had the opportunity either to do the French curriculum until, I think, ninth grade. Because in America, it's different. Ninth grade is already high school. Or yeah, it's, it's the not like first year of high school. Yeah, yeah. for a troisième. And then in 11th grade, they could do IB or stay in the French curriculum. So you had this very bilingual environment. And I was always very impressed by students because they could switch from English to French, French to English in a minute, you know? And I was like, wow. Especially at the beginning, you know? Right. I find that in Boston, where I lived for six years with my wife, she taught at the International School in Boston. Mm-hmm. And it was the same choice. You could take the IB or go to the French back. And oftentimes the American kids fully anglophone but who had been in the school since maternelle they were very fluent and could code switch very well but when they got up into the upper upper levels and they couldn't really rely on help mm-hmm. from home or from family and if they didn't have the cultural input exactly then they'd switch to ib with a strong concentration in french and still mm-hmm. get amazing scores in their french side but they would make that switch because lycée is french lycée yeah. Yeah, is yeah, yeah. i mean I have to say what I believe is true. It's intense. It's challenging. It's yeah, not. because you have all these different classes in a different language, and then they ask you to write a dissertation in exactly. not your language. Eight years in L.A., that's mm-hmm. a long time. Where did you go after L.A.? Here. So you went from L.A. to here. Mm-hmm. What happened after eight years? Because normally French people go to the United States, and after two and a half years, they start paying taxes, and they start looking for a new place to go, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But no, something I, kept I, you there for I, eight years. I stayed... Because, I don't know, I think at first I really, really liked California. Like, the weather is perfect. You have so many things to do all around L.A. It was not only because of L.A., it's all about the national parks that you have in the U.S. It's amazing. I could travel a lot. I wasn't far from South America. For me, it was perfect. People all speak Spanish in California. So I made a lot of connection, a lot of friends, and, you know, it became a second home in a short time. I could travel. I went to Mexico so many times, Argentina, Peru. It was perfect for me. It was perfect. It sounds like it would be difficult to leave. Yeah, it was. It was because after a long time with people, you know, like I said, they are family. But then, I don't know, I had the opportunity to get a green card sponsored by my school. And I think I was done. And I thought, I don't know if I really want stay because there are so many things to discover in the world and I said no I mean I'm probably the craziest person in the world who said no to a green card (laughs) like the only one but yeah Yeah, there are a lot of people who were born in the United States that still can't get their green card. Yeah. They're probably shaking their head wondering. So big change, though, from Mm. Los Angeles. And before we make that jump, Los Angeles, most people don't know. It is huge. Mm. The city... 
is not really a city. It's like a county, and there are a hundred different cities. And Los Angeles is about the size of southern tip of Malaysia. It's not a small place. So where exactly were you in Los Angeles? Where was the school? What was the name of the school? International School of LA. What town was it in? At the beginning when I arrived, it was in a neighborhood called Los Feliz. We had primary school, middle school and high school at the same campus. It became too small. So they decided to buy a new campus only for secondary school. So we moved from Los Feliz to Burbank. Burbank, very well known. (laughs) So from the Tonight Show, from yeah. Burbank, California. Yeah, Burbank is where all the TV production is. Yeah, yeah, a lot of TV radio. studios. Yeah, yeah. Not far from the school, actually. Well, the school's there now. It's settled. Yeah. Like the secondary school is in Burbank. And the primary schools, they have many campuses. Because, like you said, LA is huge. So they have one in Pasadena, one in West Valley, etc., etc. What was your department like? How many Spanish teachers? Was it a big school? No, it wasn't a big school. Did you teach both in the French back stream, yeah, but also in the, uh, in IB. the IB. Yeah, yeah. So you had to kind of master both. They're different systems. There exactly. are some similarities, but there are a lot of differences as well. Yeah, they? because when they offered me to teach IB, I had to train, and it was interesting to discover a new education system. So I did the regular French back and middle school, and then I did the IB diploma, and it was very interesting because I only had students who took Spanish higher level. Most of them, they had a native speaker parents. We could do literature. We could do a lot of different projects, you know. So for me, it was a good challenge. That's great. Yeah. That must have been nice. I've talked to Marie Papillon. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to that episode, but she did a training in IB, and she talked about the differences a little bit and some of the things she was able to adapt and use in her teaching at the French school. Are there major differences? Is it a difference of philosophy? Is it a difference in how you approach the goals with the student what, what, I, I, what's one thing that's what's one thing that was surprising or that you took from the IB um, training I to, think that in the IB the students really have to be very organized to keep up with the agenda because they have a lot of task and project to submit. They really, really, really need to have a lot of autonomy in their work. The teacher always is here to help, but they really, really, really need to be organized. At the French school in Los Angeles, were they bilingual kids? Spanish was their LV1 in the no, French no, no. system? Or do they still have English in LV1? They, they, they still have English in, in LV1, yeah. Okay, some so of them. It was a little bit different because some of the kids were doing AP English. So they get college credit for that. Exactly. That, they uh, needed it uh, for college. It's actually. almost like the idea of Hippocan Can where you can get the first two years of your license in a paper. No, uh. it's not exactly. It's somewhat similar. Not okay. Exactly. So they had an American teacher for that class, a native speaker, doing literature class. So their level of English obviously was very high. And the kids in French back had LVR. And most of them were French. Some of them were bilingual because they were born and they grew up in the States. But the teacher always tried to give them something harder than the typical right. French back to adapt his pedagogy to them. For a teacher, it's super easy when you have all the students in the U.S. already speaking English. For me, it was the same sometimes when I had native speakers in Spanish, you know. Yeah, it's 
different from Singapore where most, if not all, of our students are expat kids. There are some with Singaporean parents, but for the most part, they're expats. Whereas I imagine in the United States, there probably weren't that many short-term expats, at least in Los Angeles. Did you have many that would just be there for two or three years and then... Some of them, some of them. But most of them, like the French parents, work in the movie industry. So they work for companies like Warner Bros. or Disney. Did you have any famous parent students, student famous parents of students? Yes, I had a lot of famous American actors. Oh, come on, tell us. (laughs) I'd love to see these parent-teacher conferences with Brad Pitt. Who did you have? No, but actually, (laughs) I have to say it was uh, in service day when the teachers are in a meeting for all day long. And they told us someone very famous is visiting the school today. So, you know, just give a good impression. So only teachers. And we were at the library because it was huge having the meeting. And when we turned around, Vanessa Paradis. No way! <laughs> With Lily Rose. <laughs> wow! <laughs> we're visiting the, the school. Yeah, we're like, <gasps> because for the French, it was big. Like oh, Vanessa yeah. Paradis, you know. Taxi. Exactly. <laughs> and my first year, I remember it was after school. I was crossing the road and the person in the car was Beyonce. Wow. Because she has a sister and her nephew was going to the school. So they were just picking up the kid after class. And <laughs> Wonderful. Oh, she's amazing. Beyonce is yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah no, we fun. had a lot of people. Yeah. yeah, I love that. That's why it feels like I had a different life. It's, you know? yeah, it's like you were in the movies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. So then four years ago, you said, well, i got to make a change. So how mm-hmm. did you end up here? I had a former colleague. He was a teacher in Shanghai. He was a PE teacher. And he told me that he participated in the sport game. Right, inter, inter yeah. high school. Like the Giro. Inter- I don't international games, like the Youth Olympics for exactly. the French And I think games were in Singapore. And he told me, I saw the school in Singapore. It's so great great and it's big and it's very nice and I say oh Singapore I don't even know anything about Singapore so I checked online I checked the school it was two years before I left LA and I thought oh maybe one day I apply to Singapore I had this idea like Singapore is the United States of Asia maybe because I saw all the (laughs) picture of Marina Basin totally (laughs) mistaken but (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't say it's the United States of Asia. Yeah, yeah. No. When I decided to leave, I applied here. Oh, okay. Wonderful. And so, obviously, they couldn't resist and they brought you in. So, four years ago, that would have been 2018? Yes. So, 2018, normal school year. Normal school year. All all good in the hood. Exactly. 2019, off and running, and blammo. And COVID. And COVID, Mm -hmm. yes. How has it been for you? There's some culture shock involved, isn't there? Going from the United States to Asia. Yeah, at the beginning, it was really hard because of the weather and I missed sunny California when it was raining here all yeah. the time it rains in Los Angeles once every four years yeah. right so. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and I remember that I was going to school walking down palm trees and here I was with my umbrella <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, no, at the beginning it was hard because of the humidity. Right, right. They say you don't get used to the heat, but you do get used to the sweat. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) 
So you were able to travel a little bit yes. in your first year. Oh, my first year, yeah. And I was really, really grateful for that because I discovered so many countries. It was very different. And it was good. I loved it. Yeah. And then COVID. I think the hardest thing about COVID was the fact that we couldn't travel. We couldn't see our families, our friends, you know. Right. Plus, you were relatively new. Was it hard to meet people when you first got here? Sometimes it takes a it, while. It, it takes And then if there's that interruption because of COVID, yeah, it takes some time. Yeah. You meet a lot of people, but you don't always want to hang out with everyone, you know. But then after a while, I started developing good friendships. So now I'm happy. That's good. That's mm-hmm. good. Did the school live up to your expectations from the yes. description from your friend in Shanghai? I think more than expected. <laughs> it was great. I was like, oh my God. Oh, yes, yes. Because I came from a very, very small school, you know. The school in LA, it was more a family school you know right. even if now it's growing but here it's huge it, it is so it's big, yeah. I, I, I came from a place where you knew everyone and everyone knew you you know the yeah. students the parents the colleagues the administration because it was small and here i was like i don't know this person who's that person i'm supposed to send an email to and i don't know who so yeah. i admit i don't even know the name of the people I run into in the foreign language teaching room sometimes, mm. which is my fault, I'm sure, but it's hard. There's so many of us. But at the same time, it's it's process and it has its ups and downs. Exactly. What do you do here at the school? You teach Spanish. What do you teach? Yeah, I teach Spanish, middle school and high school. This year I have cinquième, troisième. So seventh uh, grade and ninth grade. And première and terminal. Oh, okay. So four mm. different levels. That's a lot. Yeah. And you help coordinate your department yes, too, right? Yes, and I helped, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that rewarding? Is it challenging? Is it something you like to do? It's something I like to do, yes, yeah. obviously. How many Spanish teachers are there at this uh, Seven teachers. I think the department's has been growing since I arrived. The Spanish department is bigger than the whole foreign language department at my previous school. (laughs) (laughs) So apart from school, I mean, obviously you like to travel, you're very open, you like to do things, but what what else do you like to do? What are some of your hobbies? Are you into music, sports, or... I'm into sports. I think Singapore, and maybe because of COVID, I don't know, made me like sports more than I used to. For a bit, it was the only social outlet to get out and run or ride a bike. And I know in the U.S. people are into sports a lot. Also, you know, it's part of the culture. And I only did some running in the U.S. But here I really started going to the gym and doing some classes and meeting people outside of the school. So it's great. I like hiking as well, discovering some landscapes, different parks. Yeah, here it's small, but still you can... You get off the beaten path more. around Singapore a little bit sometimes? Yeah, like biking as well. well cycling, not biking. <laughs> cycling? So yeah. road cycling? Yeah, or, yeah, road cycling. So where do you like to ride? Around East Coast. Around. You get out on the road? No, I use the park you connectors. Use the park connectors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't trust the drivers here. <laughs> I see. I see. Well, what are your thoughts on the future? I always take one day at a time, you yeah. know. I like surprises. I'm not 
Machove planner okay. of uh, my future I, I life. I know what you mean. You it's, know? It sounds like you're doing it right because you've had some great things come along. Exactly. Keeping uh, an open spirit and ready to take advantage of opportunities. I just the, trust my guts. Yeah. Is that what you say in English? Exactly, yeah. exactly. You hit it right on the head. That's yeah. perfect. It's been such a pleasure talking to you, and I'm really grateful that you would come in and sit down and share your experience with the world. Thank you, Colleen. <laughs> Bye now. Thanks for listening to Parkour Ed. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with a friend. If you would like to be a guest on the Parkour Ed, please contact Mr. Daly.